Welcome to the We Date Modern podcast, a fresh approach to modern dating with clarity and confidence. I'm Chanel Dokun, a relationship expert trained in marriage and family therapy. Each week on the podcast, I'll be hosting a somewhat irreverent conversation about love, sex, and marriage from a Christian perspective. I believe healthy relationships are possible, but we have to create them together. Thanks for joining us. On today's podcast, we are joined by a dear friend and licensed clinical social worker, Danielle Murphy. Um, Danielle, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about um, a really difficult subject. So for some people, I do want to just kind of preface this by saying um, this might be hard to hear. It may trigger some things in you. And um, so if you have um, any sort of sexual trauma as part of your history, um, just be aware that we're going to be diving into um, some pretty specific issues today. Um, but I, I think it's critical that we talk about sexual assault, talk about sexual trauma um, as part of our Christian dating experience, because I know that so many of the women who are part of our We Date Modern family, uh, they have experienced this and it is affecting the way that they date and relate to men every single day. And so I think we would be uh, remiss if we didn't uh, carve out space for it. Um, I've also found that uh, being in the church and um, whether that's being just a Christian and being a part of church communities or uh, being on a church staff, we don't always have at the ready the language that we need to talk about sexual trauma and assault. And so I think that in this space, it's really important for us to dive into it. Um, Of course, everybody is talking about um, issues of sexual misconduct now, whether it be sexual harassment, actual sexual assault, or other things. Um, It's in the water of our culture today. So uh, we're going to address it here. Uh, But before we dive into that in too much uh, detail, I wanted to just give you a little brief introduction of Danielle because um, I want you to understand why, why she was the woman that I chose to bring on today. Um, I have a long history with Danielle. We've probably known each other. How long have we known each other? Um, most of the time I've been in Brooklyn, so like eight years now, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I have for years been impressed with Danielle just because of her, um, her kind of excellence in terms of practicing as a therapist, um, but also just as a friend and a member of church, our church community. Um, it's been really good to know her and kind of her um, walk with God and just the woman that she is. Um, she is going to be sharing a little bit with us today about her, um, her work with clients who have suffered or experienced some sort of sexual trauma. And so why don't you tell us a little bit kind of just about your practice in general, like who are you working with and what are the kinds of challenges that you've seen your clients facing? Absolutely. So I'd say my practice is 90% women who have experienced some kind of trauma in their lives. Um, These are not necessarily people who have come to me saying, hey, I was assaulted and I'm having this problem, but Um, they are people who are calling me and saying, I'm feeling really anxious. I find that every time I start a relationship, I'm just, I lose interest. I can't seem to connect. Um, or, you know, I have dated a lot of different people. And at the end of the day, 
like I just don't know how to go from that introduction phase to something deeper. Um, or maybe they talk about how they're just feeling um, like disconnected even from themselves. So how could they even begin to date? Um, so a lot of times, truly people come because they're struggling with their, their relationships and then we make the connection to the trauma component. Wow. Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting thing. I mean, I've obviously been practicing practicing as a therapist and I have not worked with as many clients that, um, like I would never say that I am an expert in sexual trauma. Um, it's not my area of excellence, but um, I would say that most of my clients have experienced some sort of sexual trauma. And one of the interesting things I found when I would do you know, when I do an intake with any client is I usually ask about your sexual history in some form. And I'll say like, you know, have you had any, um, if I, well, I realized if I would say, have you experienced any sexual assault or trauma? Um, people generally would say no to that. Mm. Um, even if it was a part of their story and whether that's because the memory has been repressed or it's something that they just actually have not classified as that yet. And so I learned that I actually had to start backing up and saying, have you experienced any sort of unwanted sexual contact? And very quickly, the conversation would flip and almost all of my clients would say yes in some form. Um, I would say as a New Yorker, you, yes, Yes. (laughs) you know, just riding on the train, Mm -hmm. walking out my door in the morning, I experienced some sort of unwanted sexual contact and all of that um, shapes and skews how I view other people and so or view myself quite frankly um so why don't um why don't you share with us um you know you mentioned a little bit of your clients have come in maybe suffering from things like anxiety or feeling like they can't go deeper in relationship or connect um what are the ways in which you think sexual trauma actually impacts our experience of dating yeah well so i think the most important point that I'd want to say here is that sexual trauma is relational trauma. Um, It happens in the context of being with another human, and we are at our core relational beings. We are meant to be in relationship with one another, and they're meant to be safe. They're meant to be loving. They're meant to help us grow. Um, When it's the complete opposite and someone violates us, it gets really confusing in our bodies, in our beings, that Um, to interpret that as now dangerous. And what can happen is we internalize that maybe all people are dangerous Mm. even, um, or some types of people are dangerous. Um, And then this gets really complicated with how can we be in relationship with another person without this trauma getting brought back up. Um, This is increasingly likely to happen, the sort of broadly identifying all people as dangerous, the younger you are when you experience some kind of sexual trauma. Um, And I think that really points to the fact that sexual trauma is a wide topic that can range from, you know, early childhood abuse to through, you know, sexual assault as an adult. And those things impact, you know, a bit differently depending on on the age and where a person's at developmentally. Mm. I just want to pause on that for a second because I think sometimes when we talk about sexual trauma, I mean, I know we are just coming off, when we're recording this, we're just coming off of the Kavanaugh hearings, and so it's just uh, very difficult to... um, to kind of get in this this space of talking about women and reporting what's happened to them and um, kind of the length of time between when we actually report our experiences and all of that. 
Um, but one thing I've heard women often ask is, if this is something that happened to me so long ago, right? How, like, this is something that happened to me when I was five or six or I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a 30 year old woman and, you know, I feel like maybe I've addressed it a little bit. I've talked about it a little bit. Um, why is it still such a big impact on my life? And it sounds like what you're saying is that even that fact of it happening so early, it might have an even greater impact on the way that we perceive relationships because so much of our early formation was happening <laughs> then. Yeah, absolutely. The younger we are, the less context we have for what the world is, what how we define and our experience. Um, and so things sort of become more imprinted as a more, I wouldn't say permanent because we always have the capacity for healing and um, change, but it becomes a, a little bit harder to shift these beliefs that just become lodged um, in us. Wow. Okay. So are there any other ways that you feel like our dating relationships might be impacted by that kind of past sexual trauma? Yeah, for sure. So I think that um, when when we think about trauma and the way that it impacts a person, um, you know, I think many people have heard of this idea of fight, flight, and freeze. Mm. Um, that's our body's natural ability to respond to something overwhelming, um, and it's protective. And when we go into that space, we're not really using the parts of ourselves that can think more logically and with more complexity, and that can socially connect to another person. Um, and trauma doesn't know time. So when we experience a traumatic event, the way that that memory is stored um, is very different than the way that other non-traumatic memories are stored. Um, and so when something happens that triggers that trauma, it is as if we're back in that moment mm -hmm. that it happened. It's not as if we're, you know, living our lives right here, sitting recording this wonderful podcast. It's like we're back at that moment when the assault occurred or the traumatic event occurred. Um, and so your body's going to respond just like that with this fight, flight, freeze sort of thing um, because we're in this sense of we're in danger now. Mm -hmm. And so how what does that look like, um, especially as it applies to dating? Well, I, I can go two ways. Um, so the response to danger can be kind of stuck on and then that's going to look like maybe a constant sense of fear, anxiety, panic. Um, it's going to look like really being excessively watchful for danger um, or kind of easily feeling like you're in danger. Um, and so maybe in dating context, um, interpreting the person that you're, you're dating uh, behaviors or the way they're treating you, um, always towards danger. So no room for this, for human error or no room for, um, whatever else may be going on contextually, but sort of straight to this person is dangerous. I need to be out of here. Um, it also can look like being unable to relax or allow trust to begin to form in a relationship. Um, and I often see that look like people who, um, can do a first or second date, no problem. Um, but once it gets beyond that, they just lose interest all of a sudden, um, or become, or identify a thing that's like, you yeah, know, no, this is definitely wouldn't work. Mm. Um, would you say that that's even for some women who struggle to even make it to that first date where they are maybe so stuck in that kind of freeze space almost that 
they maybe they've been introduced to some guy, you know, via some online dating app or whatever it may be, but they feel like they they are constantly finding flaws or they're just not willing to even kind of step out to make that first connection with someone. Absolutely. That's so self-protective. You know, if if we never even step out to meet the person, then there's no risk of this danger happening. And that's such a natural response to want to be in a state of protection. Um, And that also can be sort of the other side of um, the way we tend to respond to danger is that our innate abilities to respond can get stuck off too. Um, and that can look like being sort of being on more depressed, low energy, not interested in dating or connecting with others, feeling disconnected from ourselves, um, even, um, which makes it incredibly difficult to um, to have the energy to like start the process of meeting people and going on those dates and feeling confident to do that. Wow. Wow, I think this is really critical because some people I mean, may be in this space where they feel like on some level they have a desire to be in relationship. Like they sense what you said is a very natural part of being human is that we're made to be relational. And so they desire that, they want it. And yet it feels like when it comes to the point of like actually expending the energy it would take to engage in relationship, they're like, ugh, I don't even want to bother. I don't want to sign up for the apps. I don't want to go out. I'm not going to go to that event. I don't want to participate in that group. A friend says, I know a great guy you should meet. And you're like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what you're saying here is doesn't mean that that's always that tendency is always related to some sort of sexual trauma but it might be worth considering is there something in my past that I'm being a little bit kind of rightfully self-protective here because I'm not ready to step into that space I need to kind of wrap my kind of mind and heart around what that might mean to engage with someone like that yeah that's right I think that anytime we have contradictions in ourselves it's worth taking a moment to examine and pause um, and pray into what is going on right here. So if there's a part of you that deeply desires dating and relationship in your life, and then there's another part of you that can't seem to show up for that or accept any kinds of relationship in your life or that feels uninterested, that doesn't go together. Um, And so then there's a point to examine. Mm -hmm. Love that. Well, tell me a little bit about um, kind of how you maybe overcome that, right? Like, how do you start to um, step out a little bit and maybe combat some of the anxieties that may be present in trying to, you know, in connecting with someone else? What can you do? Yeah, well, so I think that's a great point because I would always want a primary thing that I communicate is that we have the capacity for healing. Mm. Um, none of us are stuck in a permanent state of trauma, being traumatized. Um, and so, you know, I think the very most important piece here is to be able to internalize a sense of safety. Um, so step one then is identifying that there is a sense of not being safe. Um, and that's where all these reactions in ourselves are coming up because we, we don't feel safe, so we need to protect ourselves. Um, so firstly, identifying that that's happening and then being able to take a moment and look at the situation and really slow ourselves down um, to be able to look at the situation both in like a cognitive thinking, like 
is this dangerous? Like, let's let's challenge ourselves here. Is there anything about this situation that truly is dangerous? Um, because that's another part of dating that can get really blurred. Um, as you know, is that because our sense of boundaries and what is safe and unsafe um, can get really confusing in this state. It can be easy to be overprotective, but it also can be easy to um, get into really dangerous situations because we lose the ability to truly assess what is safe and what isn't. Um, And we often lose the ability to say clearly our yeses and our nos and mean them. Um, And so... um, so in order to um, heal and to move forward, we're first identifying, you know, what is actually safe and what's not safe um, in this thought way. But then also in our spiritual self, um, taking space to to be present and sense into do I truly feel safe or not? Do is like what is, you know, what is God communicating to me in this moment? Um, and that deeper felt sense is completely invaluable we are wired to scan for danger um totally outside of our consciousness and that's just a part of being human is to be able to scan the environment for danger so if we deep in our beings feel like something's not right we shouldn't be there yeah oh that's good that's good I love that we're wired to scan for danger I feel that I'm someone who you know, personally, I really struggle with anxiety, not necessarily related to sexual trauma, but um, part of my having to wrestle with my own anxiety is realizing, oh, like I, there's a part of this that I just, I can't actually turn that on and off. It's something that just happens. And what's most important is what I do with what I scan, right? With what I see, That's with right. the risk that I'm assessing. And I love what you said about slowing down because taking that moment where you give yourself that extra beat to go, okay, I may be perceiving this as this or something in my gut tells me it's wrong. Do I have other evidence to support that? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it just, does it appear to be kind of the wiser decision maybe just to back out of this? Maybe I don't have great confirmation that it's a dangerous situation, but I'm so emotionally escalated or... I'm so uncertain just about what's going on here that maybe it is better for me just to call it a night and say I'm going to go home and and remove myself from this. Mm-hmm. Um, one piece that um, that I wanted to add in there that I think is really crucial is uh, the amount of count- accountability that we have and support that we have from others because sometimes when we're not able to assess for ourselves, you know, is this a dangerous situation? Um, am I um, blurring my own boundary lines here. It can be helpful when you have some good friends who know you and kind of say, you know what, Chanel, I don't know if it's the best idea for you to go back to that guy's apartment, right? Maybe it's okay yeah. for you to meet him and have coffee or I do feel like something about the way he texted you was just a little too aggressive at this point. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't have that natural sense of that's off, Mm -hmm. but it can be great when you have community around you that can support you in that, pray for protection for you and all of those things too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When you're, you know, this kind of triggered a question for me in terms of the, uh, if you're going out there in this date and there's this potential to be triggered in some way, um, do you share that? Like, when is it appropriate to kind of let the person you're dating know that you 
have experienced some sort of sexual trauma, do you ever say that? Maybe not date one, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, this is each of our information and part of who we are at this time. Um, And it's our right to share or not share. And I would say that that really varies from situation to situation. Probably, generally speaking, it may not be first or second date material. <laughs> Maybe not before um, the appetizers, at least on the right. first date. Um, but, again, that's, you know, that's situational. Maybe this first date is with someone that you've been friends with for a while or with someone that you do have a sense that they could be with this information and it would really help you to just name the thing so it's not a secret. So much of sexual trauma is shame, um, and the way that we internalize that experience um, and secrecy and shame go hand in hand with building each other up. Um, so, you know, I would say that you, you're you never obligated to share this information with anyone ever. Um, you're also not obligated to keep it a secret. Um, and so I do see a lot of helpfulness to bringing this into a dating relationship, um, to letting the other person know what you're walking through when you feel like it's going to be safe to do so. Um, because healing, sexual trauma, healing relational trauma happens in the context of relationships. We have to rewire ourselves to know that relationships are safe. Um, and so, you know, our partners are not our therapists, so, (laughs) you know, it may be helpful to have... Um, professional guidance too in this way but if your partner has a the ability you know the heads up to understand what might happen for you they have the opportunity to respond in a way that's going to be corrective that's going to be healing um, versus just being confused about why you blew up over something that seemed like why is that a big deal or why you suddenly got anxious and needed to leave or whatever yeah I love that I love that I love that that balance of not being obligated to keep it a secret, but also not being obligated to share Mm -hmm. and just finding that right space for you. And it sounds like the most important piece there is, is this person a safe person Mm -hmm. to kind of honor this information and will it help us to interact um, more honestly with one another, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Do you feel like there are any kind of unique things about the church and Christian women or Christian relationships in particular when it comes to issues of issues of sexual trauma? Sure. I mean, um, I think going back to the idea of shame um, and stigma, trauma carries with a tremendous stigma um, and is often internalized with a lot of shame, um, which tends to result in just women at large as being isolated in their pain, having the tendency towards not telling. Um, towards not being able to let people know what happened. Um, and this, you know, some common thoughts around this is, or well, I should have said no, I should have gotten out of that situation, maybe I shouldn't have been wearing that thing or doing that thing, why was I alone in his apartment? Um, which is all things that we've internalized from a society that says it's our fault Um, as women if something bad happens to us or that it's our responsibility to keep ourselves safe from predators and you know I just don't know if I can buy into that narrative (laughs) Um, 
that really feels backwards to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But we internalize that anyways because it's all around us our whole lives. And so there's this sense that I've done something wrong. Um, And then when it comes to, you know, being Christian and being in the church, there's the extra... um, concept the accepted you know beliefs around like when is sex appropriate in a relationship when is um sexual intimacy appropriate in in um in a relationship at all and so if something you know happens where you feel like well I should never have been in that situation to begin with now it's even more difficult to bring that to light and let someone know what's going on Mm. so you know a lot of times um working with christian women is helping to to work through this sense of shame, to work through the idea that they've sinned. Um, and also, there tends to be a lot of questions that emerge around God as a protector mm. and what happened and why, why didn't God protect me in this moment. Um, and so another part of healing is often about coming to new terms with who God is and understanding him um, in light of this part of your story. Wow. Yes, I think um, there's so much in there. I want to just like sit with you for hours and talk about all of that because um, I think there are a lot of um, pieces there that are really, um, really deep. I think one of the things that was sparked for me as you were saying that is this idea of shame when it comes to Christian women or the Christian church in general and how we perceive our sexuality. And one of the things that I find is... Um, really unique in the church is that we don't, well, I think in our society as a whole, we talk about sexual pleasure being something that's really meant for men, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, even as much as we tend to be feminists or whatever it is, and we're like, you know, we're modern women, um, I think we still kind of have couched sexual pleasure as a male thing. And even in the church, we, you know, that happens even more so. All the kind of jokes that pastors make is kind of like sexist about the guys or pornography is a male issue and things mm-hmm. like that. And we don't think about um, sex really being meant for both people, sex being something that's good, that God created, something um, that is supposed to be enjoyed by both parties. And I think it's important, I just want to kind of challenge our listeners to to seek out and to develop in yourself a healthy understanding of human sexuality, to understand what sex means for you, um, to accept that your pleasure matters, right? Um, Because I think if we start to realize some of that, it can help. It doesn't answer, of course, all of the trauma experiences that we've had. But in those moments when you're with someone and they're behaving in such a way that's starting to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, like you feel like, you know, he's just like, he put his arm around me and I don't like that, right? It doesn't make me feel good or his hands on my thigh and what's going on there. I think if we start to reframe that as I should desire this, I should feel good about it, right? It can, it is meant to be something that's enjoyable for me. And if it's not, it's perfectly within my right and appropriate for me to express that and to say, I don't want this, you know, stop doing what you're doing. Um, that it's not just like a no means no situation, but like yes means yes, right? It should be more of a, I am fully on board with what's happening here and I'm desiring it and I'm wanting to move toward it. And you also in turn are wanting to move toward this thing. Um, and that's before we even get to any of the kind of spiritual questions around is sex before marriage okay or not. Mm-hmm. But even in the basic, like if a man wants to hold your hand on a date, like, do you feel okay with that? Is that what you want? 
it's okay to say that I don't desire that and for him to honor and respect it. Um, so I think that shame piece, um, part of that shame gets answered when we start to understand uh, what sex is about and start to understand our own sexual desires and needs um, and, and develop some acceptance of those things <laughs> so that they're not a shameful place in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. So when we're in relationship with someone, we're not kind of projecting that shame that we feel about our own desires onto them or onto the situation. Um, wow, I, I could talk to you for hours, like I said, about what you just shared, because I think the the piece about God as protector is a really big one. And um, I'm glad you brought that up. I think trusting that God is good and trusting that God is for you is a really hard area for many of us. Um, do you feel, have you seen women kind of being able to wrestle with that question and move through it? Or do you see things that help them to kind of reconcile that idea at all? Um, hmm. For sure. I mean, I think people d- don't necessarily get stuck in that forever, although it can take some time to really wrestle with that. I think the thing that I see most useful in these moments are um, to be able to freely talk out um, or express the different thoughts and feelings that are coming up, being able to say it to God, um, being able to say it to another person without shame, like, I'm mad at God right now, how could this happen, um, where was he, um, to, 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 you know, a trusted other saying that but also saying that directly to God mm-hmm. um, and giving him a chance to show up for you in that moment and um, and to feel continue to feel his presence um, I think you know there is a lot of wonderful resources online these days where and books of people who've experienced different types of trauma and are Christian and how they were able to continue their walk with God. And so being able to see other people's stories often really helps to normalize and feel like you're not alone with this experience. Um, and at the end of this, I think for for most people, there or all people really, there um, is a point where there has to be some sort of meaning-making that happens, where we have to get to a point where we say, hey, there was a purpose in this. Um, which is a really difficult um, thing to lay out, but I'm continuously amazed by people's capacity to find meaning, to find a way to use their experience to serve others, to to improve some aspect of the world or their lives, um, and to see it no longer as this burden that happened, but a part of the story that makes them um, the incredible human that they are. Danielle, well, thank you so much (laughs) for all that you've shared with us. Um, You mentioned that there are a lot of resources out there in terms of uh, ways that we can interact with other people's stories and um, get help for ourselves or just to be encouraged and understand how other people have reconciled or wrestled with some of these same issues. Um, I'm going to include a lot of that in our show notes, so be sure to go to our website at wedatemodern.com slash podcast. You can find this episode, and I'll include a list of uh, ways that you can get some support, whether that means that you've been maybe triggered by something in this episode for yourself, or you know someone 
who's really having a hard time with this right now. Um, and you want to share some resources with them. Um, of course, you can always go see Danielle um, in therapy. She's a fantastic therapist. I will tell you that all of her clients, I know them quite well in terms of people reporting that she's a great therapist. And so um, you can go see her. Uh, but there's also some other great places that we can kind of send you to get information about sexual assault, to understand that, to get some definitions of it so you can um, have an understanding yourself, and then just some great books and things that you can read on your own. So uh, be sure to look for that. And again, just Danielle, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember, We Date Modern is a conversation and we value your voice. So add yours at wedatemodern.com or shoot us an email at info at wedatemodern.com.